Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Full Time with Meg Linehan. We're just going to hop right into it because it's been a nonsense week. Yeah. Every week is a nonsense week in women's soccer. Jeff Ruder is here with me. We're, <laughs> I almost am going to just say like, we're not even going to talk about the World Cup final right now because first of all, it's only Thursday here and we still have some time before this right. game, but also because I feel like this entire week has just been nonstop. I, I have come back and immediately been in NWSL mode, which um, I don't know if I missed that <laughs> the World <laughs> Cup. But then yesterday um, we got confirmation that Vlako Andonovsky had resigned as head coach. As of now, it is now official. We have some details from U.S. soccer. So I really just kind of want to <laughs> dig into the head coaching issue and, and U.S. soccer. And I feel like this has been a topic on the podcast a lot over the past couple of weeks but obviously this is the big existential question yeah. <laughs> heading into it um so jeff maybe let's let's start with a rundown of what we do know um which honestly is not a lot well let's start what, with what? we we knew this was coming <laughs> yeah maybe we could start with this sometimes it's like a surprise when a coach leaves or sometimes there's like no why come back whatever <laughs> like I, this is the least surprising resignation i can remember really this this just kind of felt like a, inevitably the program and him would sit down and say okay thank you for your service thanks for the opportunity we're moving yeah. in different directions here yeah and I, I also do think that it is important to note that this feels pretty amicable on both sides of andonofsky knows he didn't meet the standard that i think he also set for himself yeah. and and U.S. soccer can also feel good about saying, listen, he worked for us for four years. He worked hard. He didn't he did not meet expectations, but that does not mean that we think he won't go on to do something else successfully. And I, I do want to kind of stress like he's going to get offers from club. I mean, he already is getting offers from teams, but like the man is a good club coach. Yeah. Yeah. And. And it it, I don't think work. this means that that's going to hurt him at a club level. No, they'll still provide him a good reference for his interviews and for his resume, right? Like that's that's not going to be the issue here. I think that yeah. probably the coach who vibed best with his player pool since Tony DeChico, maybe like it just yeah. it, it always seemed more cohesive off the field than on it. And I think that's yeah. going to weirdly be my memory of the Vlako Andonovsky era is that for all of the encouraging things, the vibes, the, the 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 moments off the field that really felt like okay, this was the coach who was needed for the 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 kind of 
pendulum swing of the equal pay movement for someone who's not going mm-hmm. to be like weirdly like, OK, now get your focus back on the field or like, you know, yeah. don't don't yep. don't enjoy what you've been working for, all of this sort of stuff. Someone who is who is actually willing to give that space. And that's good um, and necessary, I think. But on the field, as soon as the whistle blew, it just seemed like. You had players who didn't know what they were doing. You had connections that weren't well worked. You had players who were getting tested in real time in a World Cup. Um, Just didn't come together on the field, but off the field. Great four-year cycle, (laughs) I guess, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. Just so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, it hasn't been perfect on that front either, but also I don't think any coach-player relationship is ever going to be sunshine and... Uh, a, f- a lovely field of wildflowers that you just like frolic through. Like that's not how any of these things ever go. But I do think, yeah, he was generally pretty well liked. Um, again, I think, you know, there is kind of the sense of there will be offers uh, like waiting for him. Yeah. And and there are at least, what, three NWSL head coach positions available right at the like. And probably the another one has or a two good... who would open up, sorry to cut you off, but one or two who yeah. wouldn't cut off if they knew they had a chance at signing Vladko Andonovsky. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, and that will obviously be a story that we that we look at. But, I mean, to your point, yes, this was something that is, I think even by the Portugal game, probably felt like it was income. Even if, like, let's say they had turned it around, it might have been one of those things of you get through a World Cup, you do kind of a review of where the program is at, and you go, hmm it might be time for a fresh start. Yeah. But then obviously a round of 16 exit kind of puts everyone in the position of, okay, and now it's, now it's time <laughs> we've hit that. So I want to move on because we do know who is going to be interim head coach. And that's Twyla Kilgore, who has been an assistant coach with the program since February, 2022. She was the first American woman to earn a pro license. Only four women, I believe have earned the pro license in the U.S. so far, which is a depressing number, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> the least. <I'm, laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, what is oh interesting gosh. about Twyla is, you know, she she comes from NWSL as well. She was an assistant coach with the Houston Dash before shifting over to the national team. I don't know quite what to make of her as a interim head coach for the U.S. Well, it's like, what's the job? of the interim yeah. coach of the U S women's national team in 2023. Like you've got a victory tour, or not a victory tour. We have to retire old nomenclatures <laughs> here. Uh, you'll probably yeah. have a postmortem tour. <laughs> you will have, <laughs> and then you will have to very quickly reintegrate Katarina Macario, Mel Swanson, other people, and basically set a coach up. Cause you would assume that the new coach will be hired by the end of the year. You'd hope. Um, yeah, yeah. It, we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, yeah you we'll, sure we'll hope that by the end bit. of the year and yeah. uh, an Olympics next year, eh? So you kind of need someone who's going to be able to just like the old tenant has moved out. They need to really yes. clean the apartment out. They need to do the deep clean. They want to also set it up nice. They really are excited about the next tenant, and so they want to make sure that like the the lighting is right. They're going to fix the windows the curtains, the blinds, all these other things, just to make sure that as soon as you move in, you can just immediately feel like you're at home rather than have to spend a full year trying to make it home when, by the way, you're hosting Thanksgiving in two months. Good luck. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, it it will be interesting. And so those are kind of the two 
main things that we know. And uh, the, okay, the one other major thing that we know is uh, sporting director Matt Crocker is the one running the hiring process. Yeah. Because I do want to run through some of these questions with you. I know I've, I've already written an article, but like, I think it is worth discussing some of what we're left wondering about at this particular moment. Yeah. Again, to your point of process, but the sense that, okay, we know that they have two games set up for September. It's two friendlies against South Africa, Cincinnati and Chicago, tail end of September. There is a U.S. soccer board meeting at some point in mid-September. I would love to tell you when that is, but if you go on the U.S. soccer website, the next board meeting per the website is May 5th in Frisco. So at some point, maybe that will get updated. Hopefully. <laughs> so I don't actually know when the next, but like you're going to assume they have kind of these external things maybe forcing their hands on on being able to provide more details than what we actually got from this very brief release today that was really just confirmation of Andonovsky has resigned, Matt Crocker will lead the process, Twyla in the meantime. Yeah. So we have a board meeting, and then we have these two games. So like mid-September feels like if they were to have a, a deadline of saying anything else, that's when that is. Right. Um. It, the big question, though, that I want to talk to you about uh, is Kate Markgraf. Yeah. Because there is not a single mention of her name in this release. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There is a very interesting sentence in the release that basically says when JT Batson came in as CEO, Cindy Parlocone and JT Batson ran this kind of analysis of how the sporting side worked. And there were changes to the role and structure of the sporting side. But there was no other information about what that meant. Right. And then obviously they've hired Matt Crocker to be the team's sporting director. He was supposed to start full time uh, August second, but then that actually he got released early by Southampton. He's been in the role since May twenty eighth. That's kind of all the information we have. Right. But now we have this massive question of. It looks like reading between the lines today, Kate Markgraf. Whether it's because the role has changed or what, like, is she gone? Right. (laughs) And also, by the way, if she's not gone, how much of an impact does she have on this coaching search anymore? A hundred. Well, apparently, I mean, if Matt Crocker is running the coaching search, then I guess that answers that question, right? Right. And so do we need a decision on Kate Markgraff yet? Which we thought we did until you're reading between the lines and you're seeing all these other things and you're seeing the non-mentions that are speaking louder than the mentions and all this sort of stuff. Like you said, like, I think... I expected that that would have to be sorted before we moved on to a head coach because there was a lot of uncertainty when Matt Crocker was appointed, how much of his focus is going to be on the women's national team program compared to the men's national team program. And right now it sounds like a lot of both. And that's probably good, but that might not be good. We've seen times where having one person in charge of both the men's program and the women's program has not worked out very well to name zero names, even though you're thinking of 50. Like there's... There's a risk there. Is that going? Yeah. To, is he going to have the Rolodex of coaches <clears throat> who are good interview candidates? Is he going to be going off of kind of a an old network of contacts, which is going to be either dated or not what the program needs? Um, we don't know at all. Yeah. Well, again, so like we have no idea what the process is. Yeah. So I I, I gave you homework before we were. Yeah. <laughs> This yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. Um, because I went back this morning when I was writing the article today about what we do and don't know mm-hmm. to figure out because Matt Crocker was in charge of the hiring process for the men's national team, which resulted in the rehiring of Greg Berhalter. Though 
reading, you know, Paul Tenorio has has a big article on The Athletic that I basically cheated off of entirely, (laughs) (laughs) Um, where it's kind of, no, we promise it wasn't just like we kind of dance around for a couple of months and then we land on Greg again. There was actually this whole very intense process. So can you give us some insight on, I mean, do you think that he's going to just take this process that happened for the men's national team and just say like, well, I've done it once. Like I have this matrix. We have a sense of what we wanted from a head coach on the men's side. Like, yeah, is it a one-to-one here? It, It sounds you'd expect so. I'd be surprised to see someone go about hiring in a completely different way. Basically, it was a six-month process. He is someone who terms it a data-driven process. As someone who is a data-driven analyst, it's lip service. Uh, Just saying that doesn't make it more sophisticated than the old, let me call my friends and see if they're good at the job or whatever. Um, what, What goes into it, though, is looking at things like uh, international record, actually getting feedback from the players, which sounded like it was like at the start of this, the data-driven process. It wasn't him coming in and say, well, this was a model that worked for Southampton. It worked with setting up England's football identity, which is something that he had a part of uh, kind mm-hmm. of guiding what the programs in the FA are now operating under for a decade. Um, not necessarily that, but actually sitting down with the leaders of the men's national team who will be involved in the next four-year cycle and saying what is important, what worked, what didn't work, what do you need from a coach, what do you really want to avoid from the next coach, and take that feedback to then make your model. And so you would hope then that players like Lindsay Horan, like Rose Lavelle, um, whoever you determine is Naomi Sophia Gurma, right? like yeah. Mallory Swanson, maybe you sit down just the six players that you look at, Emily Fox, the players that you say like, okay, you have been a part of the team, you know what goes in this you were here for at least the majority of the last cycle and saw what didn't work and what do we need to do to make sure that the next four years don't go the way the last four did and so that conversation is i think going to be important but also the process shows that that should be part of what comes into this coaching appointment and i think that that is the most important thing make sure that your players are confident in the direction of it make sure that their voices have been heard um, and mm-hmm. are taken into account. You're not just giving them a chance to write a note, put it in a basket, and then it'll never be seen again. Um, that's you mean just don't like? Here's our suggestion box. <laughs> exactly right. During the September friendlies, which has never here's been a little opened. pencil. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly right, and then we will immediately push it into the trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> this episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I mean, it is, I don't know, and I don't even want to get into the conversation of potential head coaches because I feel like, again, we don't know. We don't know what they're looking for. We have, yeah, I mean, obviously, sure, the speculation is going to drive interest and all that kind of stuff, but... For me, the more interesting and the the honestly more important part of it is A, how the process is going to work, but B, hopefully seeing from U.S. soccer. And this is the part where I think the press release drove me a little. (laughs) I got a little frustrated uh, reading the press release where, you know, there's this kind of uh, nod to the fact that, okay, Matt Crocker comes in and does this whole analysis and also a strategic outlook of the future of the national team. But then there's nothing in that really and to be fair i under it is a massive project right and it i mean we're talking player identification development coaching the like the role of ncaa soccer the role of the nwsl the youth national team performed i mean this is the whole shebang yeah it's the whole it's the whole damn show right 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 and so i'm not expecting them to have some sort of magical eight page overview of everything that's going to happen right. But right at the moment, U.S. soccer is allowing a vacuum of information. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I, th- I think there's a failure to recognize the moment here because this isn't like other coaching changes in program history. This isn't like Greg Berhalter getting appointed six months later for the men's side either. This is very different. This is a, this is a situation that you could argue the U.S. hasn't had on the women's side in 20 years. 15, 20 years since kind of the mid 2000s. But I would actually argue they've never quite had it like this before because it isn't coming off of a failure. Not, well, I mean, failure, of course, whatever. They didn't win three World Cups in a row. Yeah. <laughs> no team has ever won three <laughs> yeah, World yeah. Cups in the world. Right, so let's like right. start with that. Yeah. But it, it's a failure to meet the expectations that have been set at a baseline level of making a semifinal at this World Cup, right? Or to compete for the gold in the Tokyo Olympics. That's over two. And so granted, I know you can't publish, like you said, the eight page, here's what we found, because you can't let other nations that feel like they underperformed in the cycle, like Germany, like Brazil, like Canada, over the last two years, let's say, um, you can't let them see what you're working with to improve. And you also can't show England, Spain, Sweden, this is how we're going to be coming for you. 
in the next four years. So of course you have to internalize it. I get that. But you do need to give something to show that you're not just going to run it back. You need to give some sort of acknowledgement to the fans, to the players, to the players who were left off this roster, to the players Mm -hmm. who were put on this roster and didn't play a single minute. You need to like show them that it's not just going to be same thing, different voice on the touchline. And we don't know that yet. Yeah. There is also just, I mean, it's the Olympics, right? Like the Olympics are coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and so I do like, I want to talk to you about this timeline because yes, obviously Twilight Kilgore is interim head coach. And the thing that, from a rational outside point of view, mm. you think, okay, it's August 17th. Mm. They were eliminated earlier in the month. So by October, does October feel like relative? Like this is where I'm starting right. to be like, what feels possible? And what, fe- like, because you're also trying to straddle a line when you're hi- you're hiring a head coach for what is arguably, regardless of this result, still a, a top, if not the top, program in the world this is a massively high profile job it is arguably more high profile than the u.s men's national team even even when you're hosting the 2026 olympics right there is uh, there's so much riding on this decision and like you don't want to get it wrong and then immediately have to reset again right like the hope is you hire someone they're here through 2027 and then you get to again go through that sort of evaluation process yeah so there, it's like it's such a fine line of like, okay, we have to get it right, but also we have to get it right because the Olympics are. We right have to there. get it right right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can't take six months on this one. I think that October makes sense because then you have someone in position to watch the tail end of the NWSL season to catch the players who are stuck on teams which won't advance. Shout out Chicago Red Stars. You are looking at the players who do advance to the playoffs and you are actually seeing how they play in competitive high stakes club games. You are seeing the start of Lindsay Horan season with Lyon. You're catching all these uh, Katarina Macario's first games with Chelsea, right? Like you're catching all of these games on the front end to inform your January camp, she believes yep. all of these sorts of things that are going to be your only opportunities as a coach yeah. to get any There's just part so of, few chances yeah. for a new coach yeah. to get these players before they it's <laughs> it is such a tight timeline. And so that's why I'm I'm kind of thinking like, okay, wh- you only have a couple windows left right. in this calendar year. And so like can you get someone in before those mm-hmm windows close but then to your point yes can you get someone in so that way they're and and to be fair it could potentially be someone who is within this ecosystem already who is already watching these players in nws like we don't know we don't know should it be though i i know we almost don't have time to go into this though but does it make sense to kind of stick with the pool that you know which they've been doing time and time again kim mccauley and i wrote about this in a kind of yeah i mean i personally am of and again like my opinion only counts for my opinion like i think that you have to go out and find an international coach because i think what we have seen um is that nothing prepares you for international competition except for international competition right and this isn't a job where does seem and that, that was you know i talked to mark parsons for that that big Vlako Andonovsky feature mm. that I wrote. And he he has lived basically the exact same thing of going from the NWL to the Netherlands head coaching job and then coming back to the NWL and saying, nothing prepares you for the international competition. And like what that is like as a head coach compared to day-to-day access to players at the club level. Yeah. Right. So that's why, you know, when we're seeing 
uh emma hayes or like whoever it is yeah, right yeah, like the, the name like coaches. if i'm looking at actually if i'm looking at club coaches that could potentially be in this mix like i'm actually kind of looking at sonia bonpastor from yeah. leon sure like yeah just because she does have like international playing experience which again not the same thing but, but potentially right yeah um but that is, it's just different. It's, it's different. And nothing can prepare you. Like nothing can prepare you for a World Cup except for coaching in a World Cup. And maybe that is actually one of the big findings of the Andonovsky era is that at this point with the, the growth of competitiveness of other nations around the world, with the increased scrutiny and pressure of being the greatest soccer team in the world, which the team has been hyped to be for the last eight years now, especially, you can't really give someone their first international job with the U.S. Women's National Team anymore. Maybe we're just past that point. Maybe you do need to have a veteran who's not going to have the because like I've got this kind of pet theory that maybe the Olympics and the fallout and the I know he's not he's a big like I don't read my critics guy. You wrote about that very well. But like I'm sure there's still some internalized like that didn't go according to plan. That didn't go as well as it could. Oh, here are the areas where I didn't do well. And then he made a lot of the same mistakes again. Because there wasn't yeah. really the time to come up with the plan B, um, partly because of COVID, whatever, but every country lost 2020. So, like, maybe yeah. it just means that this is a job that is too important, too hallowed with a program with expectations too high to give someone who has never seen this arena the chance to lead the team anymore. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I'll just be very curious to see if we get any real insight into what they're thinking, what the process, like that to me is kind of the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate challenge. And, and to be fair, I think on a coaching process, I, and to be fair, I really did not pay attention on the men's national team coaching hire in terms of like, I'm busy enough yeah. to, to not have to, but it seemed like we did get a big download of information after it was done after, in terms of right. process. I, like, I think we will get it eventually i think the thing that i am struggling with right now is just there's so little to work from in terms of we we don't know what happens next beyond the fact that okay they've got an interim head coach for these games in in september and yeah i mean to your point i think internalizing things is understandable but doesn't garner confidence and i'm I'm sure part of this is also the process can't begin in earnest until this tournament is done because some of these coaches might be auditioning for an interview true right like i don't think without jamaica's performance in this tournament we're necessarily throwing donaldson into the mix right like there's just yeah there are these coaches who this is their proof of concept like i was able to get this group of players further along in the exact tournament that was your yes. big hurdle. So maybe right. hire me or at least give me the right. chance to talk about it. Right. So like part of it is right. also, we kind of need the third place game and we need the final to ha- end. So we know who should be yeah. a viable candidate or not just in a pure yeah. like Pascal knockout. But yeah, I am. I am kind of, I mean, Tony Gustafson obviously is someone that is familiar to the Federation mm-hmm. was I think in the mix uh, back in the day, but also, Part of it, too, I think is, you know, has U.S. soccer loosened up enough in terms of like, because for a while there it was like, hi, if you want this job, you're moving to Chicago. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. Right. Right. But like that's that I think that's also a factor that can't be overlooked of just if you're looking for people who potentially have ties to other countries. Mm -hmm. Can you get like, (laughs) can you make it an appealing thing Mm -hmm. to move to the U.S. and like where? Where's the training center going to be again? 
Do we know this yet? In the city or Atlanta, it's one or the other here. I think it's Kansas. Yeah, it's, yep. So that's also a factor too. Like if you are centralizing where these teams are going to be based out of, Mm -hmm. in theory, right? Yeah. Is that an attractive place? (laughs) Right. To live, like it's, it's legitimately a factor, but I think, you know, do people want to move to Chicago or do they want to move to Kansas City or do that's it's just something that you're going to have to to navigate, especially with more international candidates. Yeah. And I mean, the game's increasingly global on the one hand. Having a coach who's based out of states is important with how many of these players in the pool do play domestically. On the other hand, one of the big talking points we're already having coming out of the tournament is maybe more of these players need to leave the NWSL. So is it yep. as important to have someone who's based out of Chicago who can take just like a direct flight anywhere in the country, whatever? Um, we'll see. You know, I, I, yeah. I think that's, that's to be fair. Could they they have to live in a hub, whether that's Chicago, <laughs> whether that's Atlanta, Atlanta, Kansas like, City, Cary, North Carolina, yeah. are, I think kind of the main front runners for this training center here. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Let's I mean, we could we could probably keep going. The, the problem is, like, I feel like sometimes we're spinning ourselves in circles, too, just because like we don't know yet. So exactly. it is just kind of throwing stuff up against the wall and being like, are we are we sticking it yet? I don't know. Right. So we've got probably maybe a month more of it. Like, mm-hmm. I think the hope is probably mid-September. But then again, you know, it will be a, a journey to Cincinnati and to Chicago um, to see, you know, we also don't, there are, I need to reread the CBA, but like, I don't know if because of the round of 16 exit, if they are beholden of saying like, okay, all the the players on the world cup roster get called up. Like it Mm. might be one of those things where, okay, Katarina Macario is healthy again. Right. Here we go. Come on over. Right. So it will also, you know, you get expanded back up to 27. Right. So like, I mean, they can, they can go for a bigger camp again anyway. Um, yeah, it will be, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting. Those will be very dance. Interesting friendlies. Very interesting. Yeah. More than usual. Like much more. Yeah. 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 I thought I was going to maybe get out of going to one of them. And then I was like, well, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> not, not a chance. <laughs> Hope you like Skyline Chili. I guess I'll be on the road to Cincinnati. Right. I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Like Chicago's easy. Chicago is one of the few direct flights I have out of Burlington. So yeah. I was like, I'll do Chicago. No sweat. And then I was like, but maybe not Cincinnati because that might be a pain. And then here we are. Here we are. So. <laughs> Good Welcome <times>. back. <laughs> yeah, here we go. All right, Jeff. I appreciate the time. Yeah, of course. Today, um, I will say for those of you who are listening to this, I, obviously our UK <laughs> counterparts very much will have the final covered for you, especially from an England point of view. But obviously, we do have a dedicated reporter on on Spain as well. So there will be at least some attempt <laughs> yeah. at uh, a balanced coverage of this final. Um, Sweden, Australia in the third place game, um, a.k.a. the like heartbroken. Also, Peter Gerhardsen trying to put himself into a broom closet instead of the exit. That might be one of my top three (laughs) moments of this World Cup. It's just unfortunately, I'm very like as Steph was live tweeting that entire experience of that press conference where he's talking about reading philosophy and that like. You have to, <laughs> you can't, you don't know what to expect from soccer. And then he promptly walks into a broom closet. I was just like, this, this is like healing my entire soul right now. So it's fine. It's great. Just what we needed. 
Yeah. Uh, Jeff, do you have any... What are you looking for out of this final? I don't want to ask predictions because I think predictions can be really boring and also yes. I hate doing them. Yeah. Um, but what are you what are you most excited about this well, I final? Mean, Which... You've got like the good vibes team where it seems like they're actually happy with their coach and they're happy with the support they're getting and you have the team that is playing against every factor around them. So that's just kind of nice. I think that... Stuff like that matters when both teams haven't been in a final before for a World Cup. Like, mm-hmm. neither team is going to have that sort of calmness and comfort. You would say Engl- England maybe should have a little more of that, but you'd also say England's probably feeling more pressure to uh, make the trophy come home Ugh. than Spain. So I think it's... Muted. Muted. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite say <laughs> I got so much shit for saying. But to be fair, if you mute... I'm coming. It's coming home on Twitter. It makes your Twitter experience much more enjoyable. <laughs> Sorry. Like, yeah. listen, England, like, I get it. I get you're very excited, but that phrase is an automatic, like, mm-mm, mm-hmm. mm-mm. 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 And it also doesn't end well historically to say it's coming home. No. <laughs> Never <laughs> does. Fair. So we'll see. But I, like that is the pressure, right? And, and there's... Yep. Uh, I think Spain can play with a little more freedom. I think that tactically, actually, they're set up to just kind of play with freedom a little bit better with their passing. So it'll be interesting to see who starts. There was some hesitation to change the lineup on Spain's side up until the semifinal. There's some hesitation to change the lineup on England's side, too, because you have Lauren James coming back from Redcard suspension, but Ella Toon is a big game, big game player. Right. God, the weird so, two-game suspension, that's right, not one, Yeah, not the two-game suspension that's literally never, ever been handed down before, ever, ever but ever. was, I think, designed to make as few people mad as possible of, so. like, this deserves an extra game, but, like, England will be really mad if we give it a three. Right. Yeah, it felt like a compromise so. suspension, which is not something we often see. Um, no. Like, a, let's make sure nope. everyone's happy with this player being suspended. Um, but, yeah, I think ultimately it's just going to be if Spain is able to embrace the faux underdog status because i don't think they're actually like at a major disadvantage i don't think they are either yeah 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 but like if they can convince themselves that like the world assumes england's gonna have this so whatever we faced adversity from our own leadership anyway this entire time what's the world at this point um i think that they actually could be really well equipped to play in a stylish way i could see this game going all the way to penalties i could see this game being a multi-goal win for one or the other team i think that there's actually a lot of possible outcomes of this which makes it fun yeah that's fair i don't know i mean i do think in this case coaching could legitimately make a massive difference and in that case it's a very clear (laughs) there's a there it's like 100 to zero (laughs) like there's no there's no like debate about the impact that coaching might have in this one so it it yeah it's going to be interesting um i am happy that there's only two more games to wake up for i'm definitely ready to be done with like i am still waking up at 5 a.m every morning even though that is not what the jet lag should be in the slightest but like my brain has just decided now you wake up at 5 a.m every morning because there's a game on so um yeah good times but all right well jeff thank you for the time i'm sure we will be back at some point once we know more but thanks for processing the news of this Thursday out loud with me. There's a lot. There's a lot to process. And give it a month, we'll learn that one of the players' parents blackmailed the coach, and that's why the whole thing went haywire. That's just American soccer culture. So we'll be back for that. Great. Sounds good. Mm -hmm.